Our scripture reading this morning is from the New Testament and from John's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 2 through 6. Let's listen for God's word to us today. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech for them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. The word of the Lord. I think Hayes and Miller are being vocal because they're, they come from a seriously Presbyterian family and Presbyterians don't normally sit in the front. <laughs> it's, very, it's very weird for us. We always go in the back. The only reason I'm in the front is because I get paid to come up here. Uh, my family, as you can see, back row. Always were. You remember those, uh, was it AT&T commercials? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Um, we're talking and we're experiencing today in so many different ways the connection, the communication that creates a relationship, um, the call and the response. So listen now uh, as we pray together and then um, take a look at this text from John's Gospel. Let's pray. May the meditations of our hearts together this morning upon your word be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. This text from John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, one of my favorite chapters, though this is not my favorite verse, uh, just a few verses after this text comes uh, the moment where Jesus says, I came that they would have life and life abundantly. Uh, Always meant a lot to me um, to understand The purpose of Christ's presence in our lives, God's sovereign grace and love, is for us to live this life fully in full relationship with God. And that kind of bond, that kind of love relationship, as so many of us know who've been in love or who have been loved and loved back and loved in return, we know that that love is stronger than anything, even than death, even than the power of death. And we celebrate that good news in the season of Easter. We talk about the call of God a lot in the church, not just in the Presbyterian church, um, but I just wanted to uh, point out, and this is maybe a reminder for you this morning, um, there's an announcement that's on the walls of every French church, or most French churches, I'm not sure it's every French church, or in their programs, their bulletins, it goes something like this on Sunday mornings in French Christian churches. I'm going to say it in English because my French is terrible. By entering this church, it may be possible that you will hear the call of God. However, it is less probable that God will call you on your cell phone. Therefore, please turn your cell phone off. If you want to talk to God, choose a quiet place to talk to him. If you want to see him, text while driving. That is pretty good. As we already said, we baptized Hayes, whose parents, whose family, whose loved ones, whose church family now is responding to God's call in our lives to love 
and nurture and care for him with our commitments, with our time, with our prayers. Uh, this is a Sunday focusing on the theology of call, the, what we know about God, what we can say about God and think about God as we answer and hear and experience God's call in our lives. In the Presbyterian tradition, as we said, the call always comes first before we're ready for it. And that is based on our engagement with Scripture. God doesn't wait until you're ready to be an elder or a new member or a parent. It just happens. And you kind of learn on the job, as they say. Ask Moses, who didn't want to do it. Ask Jonah, who ran away from God when he was called. Uh, The call comes first, before we're good enough, have enough faith, holy enough. God doesn't wait for that. What really matters is how we respond. The disciples in the New Testament and all four Gospels, walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calls them, we read, and they go with him. In the Gospel of Mark, it says they immediately go with him. We don't know if Mark is being literally correct there. We don't know how long it took Andrew and James and John to drop everything, uh, climb out of their father's boat or drop their nets or their fishing rods and follow Jesus on the shoreline. Maybe they had some time to go home, grab some stuff, a water bottle or cell phone, whatever it might be. But what we do know, the church's memory, is that they heard a voice, they heard and felt something moving inside of them, and they responded. They couldn't not do it to intentionally use a double negative, right? They had to do it. They had to follow him, even though they had no idea why, and they certainly weren't prepared. We have these amazing stained glass windows in this church. Presbyterians don't normally do stained glass well. That is a, that's an axiom, but for some reason, mainly because I think the person who built this church, as well, I always joke, was a Presbyterian, but had Episcopalian money right? Uh, And they had these incredible stories. But this is a very unusual story. This is the call of Nathaniel, which only occurs in John's gospel. Nathaniel hears about Jesus and goes, I don't want to talk to him. He comes from Galilee. What good could come from Galilee? I met someone just the other day. He went to University of California at Berkeley. I was taught that what good could come from Berkeley? Same kind of attitude, right? (sighs) Turns out a lot of good can come from even the most skeptical of people. And when Jesus sees Nathanael, who has already poo-pooed Jesus when he heard about Jesus from someone else, Jesus calls him by name. And Nathanael's mind and heart changes. And suddenly he says, you are my Lord and my God. Because there's this connection that happened, even in spite of his skepticism. Nathanael wasn't ready yet. He was called. Our deacons, elders, and ministers today, that's one of the great joys of the Presbyterian Church. No one is any holier or than anyone else. No one set aside to do holy work. We all do it together. And we elect our leaders, our deacons, our elders, our presbyteri to seek God's will and to respond to the voice of God in their leadership. In fact, in the Presbyterian and Reformed Protestant tradition, everything you do in life is ministry. Your job as parents, as friends, it's a response to God's presence and a movement of God's spirit in your lives. John Calvin said that your life is your ministry. And in your ministry, you can bear witness to this amazing love which comes from God in everything you do, in small ways and in large ways. How many of you are old enough to remember when Bibles almost always had the words of Christ in red letters? Right? The red letter edition. 
It's not as common anymore because somewhere along the way someone recognized the fact that a lot of times those red letters in different books contradicted themselves a little bit. Uh, we're not exactly sure what he said at times, but certainly the authors of each of the Gospels want Jesus to be depicted as saying things that serve their message and their overall Gospel truth message. In this section of the Gospel of John, which we call the Johannine Discourse, if you have one of those red-letter Bibles, all you see is a sea of red, page after page after page. It is a genuine Presbyterian sermon. Long, 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 but not today, don't worry. But this little section here has a great, sort of one of my favorite sections, that early part of John chapter 10 in that great section. It begins with what we call the double amen. In the uh, King James version of the English version of the Bible, it was verily I say unto you, or in our NRSV, New Revised Standard Versions, truly I tell you. But in Greek, it's amen, amen, which simply means this is really true. Any Game of Thrones fans in here? They always say, it is known. It is known, right? This you can rely on as a deep truth. Jesus begins his statement, amen, amen. This is true. It is known. And then he begins, he shares just a few verses which depict and communicate an intimacy about the divine human relationship, which should be hope for us, because it's not about us pleasing some big judge in the sky. Rather, this is about a deep relationship of love and of trust and of acceptance and of grace and of joy that can really change everything in our lives. In these little verses that Laura read so well just a second ago, Jesus calls himself, and it's very confusing to keep track of the images he uses for himself or the metaphors. I am the good shepherd. That's pretty easy. The Spanish word for shepherd is pastor, right? Ministers aren't necessarily pastors, but pastors are always ministers because a pastor needs a flock, right? Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He also calls himself the gate, and he calls himself the door. Um, but eventually, he goes back to this image of shepherd and, use, and, and says, the good shepherd knows and calls his sheep by name. He leads them out, and they follow him. As I've said, the following part, that's our part of the divine human relationship. Our, in, in the deal we have with God, we don't have to prove anything. We don't have to achieve anything. We simply have to be willing to follow, to answer the call, which will come to us whether we're ready or not. God's part of the deal is to love us enough already to call us into that relationship. And God always keeps up God's end of the deal. Our part, as I said, is to decide to trust God enough to step outside of our comfort zone and to leave the unsatisfying places where we like to stay and even wallow and follow into a new and better day to follow as Samuel did in the Old Testament, as Isaiah did, as Moses did, as I mentioned, as Noah did when God called Noah to a very special task. And as Ruth did, one of the most amazing uh, uh, examples of call response is this woman who refused to leave her mother-in-law and because of that refusal to, to love, to be committed to, to support a woman that she didn't have to care for anymore, Ruth found an amazingly new and better 
more fulfilled life than she could have possibly have dreamed of, and we are the descendants of that, that commitment. Sometimes, as Jesus says, there are voices that call to us that we shouldn't follow. It's up to us to try to figure it out, to discern. And in the Presbyterian Church, we discern together. One of my favorite stories of call and response, which really shows how reluctant we can be to let go of where we are. Again, this is not an easy thing, responding to God's call. It's the story of the man who was, you know, on the edge of the Grand Canyon, sightseeing, taking photos, selfies, climbed over the railing like they do for some reason, and the earth gave way and he slipped over the edge, but he managed to grab hold of a little spindly plant and he was there dangling on the side of the Grand Canyon and hanging there hundreds of feet above the rocky bottom of the, of the canyon. The man yelled, is anybody up there to help me? No answer. Then he got religious and he started praying, God, please help me. And from above, he hears a thunderous voice, I'm here. Do you believe in me? Yes, yes, the man replied. I believe in you. And the voice said, good. Do you trust me? Yes, yes, I, I trust you. Just help me, please. I'm about to go. This, this plant can't hold me very much longer. Okay, said the voice. Then let go of the plant. And the man looks up and goes, is there anybody else up there who can help me? That's how we all are. So why do the sheep in these few verses in the Gospel of John follow the shepherd's voice? John tells us, on the lips of Jesus, they follow the shepherd because they already know his voice. They can tell that this is a different kind of call. And that the sound of that voice, the resonance of that voice, the fact that that voice knows their name is the reason they're willing to step out in faith and to try new things and to follow the shepherd who will bring them to safety, to security, and to abundant life. My mom's been gone about 14 years. My children haven't been little in about 14 years, give or take some years. Um, for a long time on my cell phone, I kept two voice messages. One was from my mother, the last one she ever uh, left me, and I just kept it on there because I'd love to hear her voice, and it was classic Betty Horn, you know, Gregory, how are you doing, and this is what I've been doing today, and I love you, and you know, I just, it's the kind of thing I got my whole life. And the other one was when my kids were about five, our kids were about five and two, I was away on a trip uh, in the South doing a wedding, and we told William, who was old enough to sort of think about these things at the time, that I was going down where it was really sunny, and his little sister Maggie was just almost, not quite two. I taught, his voicemail said, Daddy, in this high-pitched little kid's voice, which he doesn't have anymore, are you sunbathing? You know, and then you could hear the little one-and-a-half-year-old one in the background going, Daddy, Daddy. Well, I had both of those voice messages on my stored messages for a long time, and then I deleted them accidentally. And I, was, I felt lost. I, I panicked. I went to the Verizon store, back with some of you might remember Steve Demetrius, who used to work there, when a wonderful saint of Montclair. He even couldn't help me, which tells you they were gone. But then I realized I didn't need them, because I know what her voice sounds like. It'll never go away from me. And even though my son speaks like this now, and my daughter, boy, does she speak at me now, 
those, the sounds of their voices as children, that, that's in my heart. I'll never lose them. I don't have to have it on a, on a voice recording. The sheep follow the shepherd because they recognize his voice. That is what Rachel and Buddy are doing today as Hayes' parents, as Miller's parents. All of us committing ourselves to love for these kids. We are doing what, a countercultural thing by being here on a Sunday morning, giving our money and support and time to support kids we don't even know that well, but we see how important it is in their smiles, in their lives. The sheep will not follow a stranger. A lot of times we do. We, we, we do follow the wrong voice sometimes. It takes us a little while to figure out, hey, that's not for me. That's what growing up is all about. I'm not done. Are you? To keep seeking the voice that speaks to me, that really knows my name. Thanks be to God that we can do that. Thanks be to God that the shepherd who has come, who has defeated the power of death in this season of Easter, knows who we are, calls us by name, embraces and accepts us just as we are, and then promises to lead us into abundant life. It is a source of hope, not just for us personally, but for this broken, beautiful world. Amen. <laughs>